The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking who mattered the most in Wisconsin sports this year. We're also going to talk about the Badgers' big bowl win. We're going to talk about Marquette's big win. And then we are going to ride out of here. Uh, Thank you to everyone who's been listening. The support has been great. Uh, Listens are through the roof. We beat last year's numbers by quite a bit. It definitely makes me want to build on this year and going forward. So appreciate you all. Uh, Make sure that you're following along on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, We are inching closer to TikTok catching Twitter. I have about 775 followers, I think, on Twitter. Maybe a little more. And I have 627 on TikTok. So we're getting close. Those are those are coming together, uh, if you will. So follow along if you're not on one of the platforms or if you didn't know that we're on one or the other. Uh, we'd really appreciate all the love and support. Uh, it, also, if, you, if that's not your thing, uh, we can subscribe on this podcast. I assume a lot of you are. Uh, if you already subscribed, leave us a review. I'd really appreciate that. Um, if, if you haven't already, uh, if you are already subscribed and you've left a review, uh, tell your friends, boss. Tell your friends about what we have going on, New Year's parties this weekend. Uh, we can probably do a whole thing on New Year's. We probably will, uh, maybe on Friday show. Uh, but yeah, t- tell everybody about us. Spread the good word um, and let us know what we should be doing. If we should be doing something differently to let people know what we have going here, um, I would be all ears on that idea. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about who mattered the most in the state of Wisconsin. So I wanted to do something around, you know, a bracket, if you will, of like who won Wisconsin. And I thought about it and I was like, well, it's not really about winning, right? Because if you win, it means that you had this great year and that you you were the most important thing. And this is what we are going to talk about. And this is what 2022 will be all about. And so I started to think about how I could do this. And what I'd, I came up with was basically four pods, Packers, Brewers, uh, Bucks, as well as college. And basically then combining together and then creating basically a final four from there and making my decision. I know Mitch and I talked a lot about storylines and I'm sure you will have some similar characters that are involved with these stories. That said, if you missed that podcast or you know you wanted to go a little deeper, this is the podcast for you. So we're going to start with the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers are the most important team in Wisconsin. They will forever be. I, I know I love the Bucs. I love the Brewers. I love, you know, Marquette basketball. I love Wisconsin football. But there will be no no team that is bigger than the Packers unless the Packers, you know, have a downturn and the Bucs have like four championships. Even then, I don't know if the Packers would lose the popularity here in the state of Wisconsin. I'm not sure. I'd have to check in with a lot of people. I think I would have to go up to like Wyoiga and ask a question of, of if the if the Bucks won three or four titles and the Packers suddenly lot was were four and twelve for three years, would it change your opinion on the two teams? I'm not I'm not quite sure. So, anyways, it's here nor there. So we have to start with the Packers. So how I'm going to do this is I'm going to name a player and I'm going to talk about their year a little bit, why they are important. And then say, is it better than the next person? And then we just kind of keep going on. And we won't have to always talk about that person. But I think you'll get the gist of it once we start. So we'll start with Aaron Rodgers. I thought Aaron Rodgers' year was not that important, if you will. Um, You know, the guy had big ayahuasca stuff, the blue of the earth. Uh, Rodgers had a pretty quiet offseason. There wasn't much to talk about Rodgers from 2021, where you could argue that Rodgers definitely was the biggest person. He mattered the most. 
that year for Wisconsin sports, just with all the trade rumors and everything else, this year was much more muted. And then at the end of the year, the Jordan Love stuff has started to develop. Rodgers maybe getting one more shot at potentially running the table and what that could do for 2023. So we'll just have to see. The player I have going up against is Devontae Adams. And I would say Devontae Adams mattered more than Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I just... I have to look at the trade and where I was. I was sitting at a bar at Brothers. It was a, I think it was the first day of the NCAA tournament. And Devontae gets traded and it changed kind of everything. It changed what the Packers might do in the first round of the, of the NFL draft. It changed just how everything was going to work with this team. Everybody thought the Packers were going to run it back like they had with signing Aaron Rodgers to a huge deal. And literally a 10 days later, Devontae Adams is traded, maybe even less than that, that Devontae is traded to the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders where Devontae wanted to play. Is Devontae Adams, did he matter more than Jair Alexander? Jair Alexander, you know, had himself a huge contract, had a huge sort of he's one of the best corners in all of football sort of thing. And then he didn't have as good of a year. I think when we go do player grades, Jair to me is still a, you know, has, he had a B, B minus season. There were a lot of bad plays from Jair Alexander and some of the shit talk got cringy at times, but I don't think he mattered more than Avante Adams. Rashawn Gary would be the next nominee of Gary versus Adams. Now Gary's credentials, he looked like he was on his way to being a potential defensive player of the year candidate and trying to stamping his sort of moment on being one of the best defenders in all of football, one of the best edge rushers, but then he gets hurt. And so I still have to include, I still have to go Adams ahead of Rashawn Gary. I think if Rashawn Gary played out the full year and had the year that he was having for the entire year, I think Rashawn Gary actually might take over Adams. So you have Adams versus David Bakhtiari. Now David Bakhtiari, he, I mean, the health of David Bakhtiari was such an important storyline and mattered so much to what Green Bay did. And then once Bakhtiari got healthy and started feeling good, he looked like the old Bakhtiari and Green Bay now has a decision on their hands on what to do with his contract. And they definitely need to figure some things out, which is something we can talk about when we're doing 2023 predictions. But I would say that Bakhtiari mattered, but I, I would not put that ahead of Devontae Adams. I just, I can't necessarily look at it and say, hey, that mattered more than Devontae Adams trade because I still think it's unknown what David Bakhtiari means. And he did help the Packers, but it didn't just completely turn around the season or Bakhtiari didn't come back, you know, in week three or something. He did come back in week three, but he had that whole thing with the Giants that was weird about the London turf. And just, it's been a weird fucking year for Bakhtiari, but still I put Adams ahead of it. So then you get Adams replacements, Romeo Dobbs. I don't think Romeo Dobbs matters more than Adams. I think Romeo Dobbs being injured for half the year, I, the story's still untold with what Adams could be. Um, and I, I, or I'm sorry, what Dobbs could be. And we, they said he could be potentially like new Devontae, things like that. Jury's still out. I still like a lot of the things we saw from Dobbs, but I just want to see it for, you know, a, a full like month, month and a half, sort of the same trajectory that we had the next nominee, which is Christian Watson. And I do put Christian Watson ahead of Devontae Adams. I think Christian Watson matters more than Devontae because he is the future. And he is the guy that it basically worked out for Brian Gunacoust. All right. I know that Watson's had some trouble staying healthy. I, I give him kind of a pass with the concussion stuff because 
Concussions were crazy. We saw what happened with Tua this year and what's continuing to go on with Tua. I, I can't necessarily be critical of that part of Christian Watson's story. I can be critical of the hamstring injury. I can be critical of the hip flexor. You hope that this is not some guy who is injury prone. It's way too early to give him that tag. But it looks like we are able to get past the Devontae Adams trade because there's Christian Watson. So I put Christian Watson ahead of Devontae Adams. And then to round out the Packers, uh, to see if Christian Watson keeps his spot in that final four, Jordan Love versus Christian Watson. Again, I I think it's kind of like the Bakhtiari stuff where we don't know. Uh, I think Jordan Love is going to factor into our 2023 discussion. But we do not know exactly what Jordan Love will be for the Green Bay Packers next season or if he'll be on another team next year. I think Jordan Love, again, the jury is still out on what that will look like. I think he mattered, but I don't think he mattered as much as what Watson showed to the Packers this season. And then Brian Gundekus is the last one. I think Brian Gutekunst had a really interesting year. I was very critical of Brian Gutekunst. I still think a lot of my critiques of Brian, if you go back to listen to that podcast in early November, I think they still stand. Like, I I really do. I I think that it was more about, you know, why Brian, you know, didn't necessarily do enough for this Packer team and didn't exactly sort of, you know, put them in the best position to succeed. The Watson and Dobbs thing has worked out so far. But he needed to have that stopgap receiver. He needed to have that veteran guy. And he thought Alan Lazard, Cobb, and Sammy Watkins could be that, and they weren't. And that was part of the failure of Green Bay. And then giving Rasul Douglas a bunch of money, I'm not sure. I know he played pretty well against Miami, but I, I still would not have given Rasul Douglas. It doesn't look like that's a great deal. Uh, the Bakhtiari contract, I, you can't really predict that. But basically, from all I've heard is that his knee injury isn't as bad and it's a lot of mental stuff with him. And this draft has looked a lot better for Gutekus, but there are still questions about the 2020 draft and the 2021 and the Amari Rogers, you know, digging your heels in the ground with Amari, whether that was Matt LaFleur, whether that was Rich Passaccia, whether that was Brian Gutekus, that Amari Rogers moment is a huge one. And Matt Scheinman pointed out on Twitter yesterday that Amari had a fumble in the Washington game where the Packers lost by two. If Amari doesn't fumble that football, I believe Washington scored on that fumble. If he doesn't fumble that ball, Packers win that game and the Packers are right now in the playoffs. And we're not, we're not necessarily talking about win or get in. If the Packers are in a situation where if they lose and Washington were to win, Washington could slide into the playoffs. That's the conversation that we're having right now with the Green Bay Packer team. But we are not because they were they lost to Washington. Green Bay right now would be eight and seven instead of seven and eight and would would be in a, a much better position than what they are currently today. So you just look at that and that sort of says it all with Brian. But I would put Christian Watson as the Packers as the Packers representative because I think it's hard to ignore what Christian Watson did this season so far and what it could mean for the future. And I think you combine the two and you think that to me matters the most. And I think it basically justifies the Devontae Adams trade, even though it wasn't the prettiest, even though it didn't come out the cleanest, you still probably are looking okay in the years to come. As for the Bucs, we'll start with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Another great year for Giannis. Could have been MVP. Uh, you know, basically, I think awoke, you know, a certain section of people maybe that didn't believe in Giannis playing against Boston and the, the performance that he had. Boston has such a large 
fan base. And I think seeing Giannis every night dominate them and basically running out of gas in game seven and in game six, that was an all-time performance and Jason Tatum was just a little bit better. Uh, you have to remember that and know that Giannis still matters and he's had a pretty solid year to start the year. Um, he's kind of faded now in terms of the MVP discussion with the success of Jokic, the success of Luka, uh, the success of Joel Embiid recently. But at the same time, it's still it's still Giannis and there's still a, a version of Giannis, I think, this year that he can you know get back to the MVP level. So I look at it and I think Giannis still matters, um, but... I will say that it was an interesting year. I would say he mattered the most out of the big three when you talk about Giannis Rogers and Christian Yelch. But I have Giannis there to start. Giannis versus Mike Boonholzer. Mike Boonholzer had a solid year, but I mean, there was, there. it's weird because there's the part of it where it's like old bud's still there, whether it's not playing Javon Carter against Boston or it's not playing Marjan Bochamp right now. Um, I think those are the parts that really frustrate people around Mike Boonholzer. But then there's also the other part of Bud where he's done a really good job of understanding that, you know, letting everybody shoot as many threes as possible is not working in today's NBA. And despite some of the defensive struggles for the Bucks of late, um, you know, they are still doing a pretty good job at defending three-pointers. And you have to acknowledge that with what the Bucks have defensively. And so I, I, I do like appreciate that of Bud. I still don't think he matters as much as Giannis. I think Giannis still has that crown. Then you go Giannis versus Burke Lopez. I think there is a what if of the 2022 season besides the Middleton injury is what if Brooke, you know, was able to come back a little bit earlier from back surgery. Would that have changed anything? Would that have made the Bucks a two seed versus a three seed? And would they have been able to close out Boston at home in a game seven situation? I don't know. I think that's something you you have to wonder about, right? Um, I think you can argue that it's, it's important, but it's not kind of where maybe Maybe it could have been. And Brooke Lopez is obviously having a great year. And he his 2023 story could be a lot bigger than what we saw in 2022. Then Chris Middleton. Uh, Chris Middleton, to me, is the guy that matters the most uh, for the Bucs. I, I think you have to put him over Giannis. We'll talk about some other nominees. But it has to be Chris Middleton. Uh, you know, the Bucs have Chris Middleton against Boston. They win that series. If the Bucs have Chris Middleton against the Miami series, they probably move on against Miami. And then they probably beat Golden State. And I think that the more fans are realizing it, I think they're using it against Chris Middleton. I think they're kind of weaponizing it against Chris Middleton, if you will. And the knee injury now, and everyone thinks the guy's made of glass, it also doesn't help when someone like Bill Simmons, and I'm not criticizing Bill. I love Bill's work. You know, I'm very fond of Bill. We talk about him on the podcast a lot. But Bill calling him like wing Anthony Davis, like that doesn't help like the fans' feelings around Chris Middleton. I think I am more patient than most and understand that there is a bigger goal at, at play here, that it is making sure he's healthy and can play, you know, for three straight months in the NBA playoffs and having Chris Middleton here and they're not trying to push it and know that they have, this is a hard part of their schedule and they're going to figure it all out. But I think Chris Middleton has had an impactful year, not only from last year, but also the year this year as well. And it's hard to look at anybody else in the Bucks organization and be like, yeah, someone mattered more than Chris Middleton and it's the impact of Chris Middleton. And I, I also don't think that this is a sign that Chris Middleton is washed. I, I don't, 
I'm not ready to entertain that conversation. I think some would, but I think that's partly due to the fact that he's not a sexy player. And we've talked about this before, but I think Chris Middleton gets a bad rap because he does not play a brand of basketball that is conducive to the House of Highlights generation. And so it immediately people think he's trash. There are people who suggested that Bradley Beal should get traded for him, which is as fucking ridiculous as you could get. Like Bradley Beal is a, a loser. Like straight up, he is a loser basketball. He's not a guy who actually plays a winning brand of basketball. Get out of my fucking face with Bradley Beal. Anyways, other guys that I'd, I'd at least put in there, but it's it's Chris Middleton. It's Javon Carter, by Portis, by Portis, staying with the Bucks. Not necessarily sure if that was a great move by John Horse. I'm um, just saying that right now. Uh, Bobby, I haven't been that high on Bobby this season. I, I've not, like, there have been only a few smattering of games where I'm like, oh, yeah, Bobby mattered in this one and, and mattered the most. But, yeah, I am not there right now with Bobby Portis. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Christian Yelich, obviously the top nominee. I thought it was a, kind of an interesting year for Yelich, right? Like he started struggling. Everybody was ready to ride him off. I was like, oh my God, worst contract ever. And then Yelich was awesome. I thought the last half of the year, I realized he did not have the power numbers that I think a lot of people expected. Where that power has gone, whether it's the video stuff and that you know he kind of cheated, which has been a rumor from Cubs fans. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, maybe it was a juice ball era, right? Cody Bellinger had the exact same struggles. And maybe the juice ball era propped up Yelich's power numbers that were unrealistic. And we all need to make peace with that. And that's a discussion for another time. Yelich could also look at it and say, what did I do differently? The guy's been training his ass off this offseason. It seems like Christian Yelich is very focused in on having a good year and wanting to turn it around to be, you know, part of the MVP conversation. I'm not ready to even entertain that thought yet, but I do think Yelich still matters. Corbin Burns uh, would be the guy I'd have him going up against. You know, here's the thing about Corbin Burns. He did not have as good of a year as he did in that Cy Young year. I do wonder if that was the peak of Corbin Burns. Uh, I still think it's hard for me to look at Corbin Burns and say he mattered more than Yelich. I, I had podcasts, gosh, you'd have to go back to like March, or no, May, excuse me, uh, and look at it and say where I said Corbin Burns is the face of this franchise. And while I, I do believe that, the guy just has no personality. And it's hard for me to say uh, Corbin Burns is more popular or matters more than Christian Yelich. I think you get excited to watch Corbin Burns pitch. But we're not at a point with Corbin where it's like you're going out to see, you need to go see Corbin Burns every time he gets, he's on the mound. So we're not there yet. And until we get to that point, he's not necessarily the face of the franchise, nor does he matter as much as maybe some other nominees. Josh Hader's the next one. It's hard to ignore Josh Hader. Uh, it's hard to look at Josh Hader and say Josh Hader didn't matter, you know, more than, you know, Corbin Burns or Christian Yelich, the impact, the reverberations of the Josh Hader trade were significant. You know, Josh Hader gets traded. It kills the entire clubhouse mojo. And whether you want to put that on Craig Council, whether you want to put that on David Stearns, there's a lot of blame to go around on that Josh Hader trade. You could also put the blame on a Christian Yelich or a Brandon Woodruff who are leaders in that clubhouse and not reaching out to management and saying, do not trade Josh Hader. You're going to ruin this clubhouse. I do wonder like what all happened there. And I think there is, I still don't think we got a great story on all the Brewers did a really good job, you know, credit to them. They, they definitely kept that tight lipped. And I think we didn't, we do not have the overarching story of how that all went down. And, but Josh Hader was so important because it changed the Brewers mojo. It changed that whole stretch 
in August was really you know brought to you by Josh Hader. And the Brewers lost a lot of games they shouldn't, and it cost them a spot in the playoffs. And it's a in the reverberation of it is because that happened, the Phillies were able to slide in. The Phillies ended up getting to the World Series. Because the Padres had Hader, they were able to get to the NLCS for the first time, I think since 1996. Um, so yeah, there was a ton of thing. And Hader looked broken for a, a month. And we were all like, okay, so I was dancing on people's graves. And then all of a sudden I was you know, getting pulled in and being like, you're wrong. I don't think anyone was wrong about that trade. I think it still was a trade that, and then Astoria Ruiz led to William Contreras, who's going to be brought up here. But I, I really, really believe that it was a trade that needed to happen in the offseason. And the Brewers should have known that. The Brewers, that was a poor planning thing. And I think part of the reason why Stearns stepped down was because I think Mark Ananasio, you know, didn't feel like they were on the same page. And he didn't say that, but I, I got that vibe. So Hader over Devin Williams. I think Devin Williams is kind of like your Christian Watson example, right? It's it's the future, but I don't know if we saw enough from Devin Williams where I really feel confident that he can be at Josh Hader's level. Maybe Josh Hader's one of one, and maybe that's an unrealistic expectation for Devin Williams. I still thought it was a pretty solid end to the season. I still have Hader over him. Brandon Woodruff, it's interesting with Woody um, because, again, I, I think that it's a 2023. I guess the, the thing to end the 2022 year for him is – he it looked really dire with his injury, like the Ryan syndrome, where he couldn't pitch in the cold. He was having weird nerve issues. You were you just thought maybe you wouldn't get to see the old Brandon Woodruff again. And then he was a dog the last two year two months of the season, and you know really sort of vaulted him back to how you should feel good about it. And maybe Woodruff's the guy they pay instead of Corbin Burns. I think that's a huge 2023 conversation. Uh, but I'd still go Hater over Woodruff. Rowdy Telez, I think, became the new fan favorite. Uh, the Rowdy chance, just his sort of style, his the way he plays. I think Rowdy is is a guy that everybody cheers for. That he will be a very marketable face. Like that's the difference between him and like Corbin Burns. Rowdy Telez isn't as good as Corbin Burns, you know, just player to player. But Rowdy Telez has more of that that good energy that you want and that marketability. And I I think he matters. But again, I I can't put him ahead of, of what Josh Hader meant, uh, but still a really good year for Audi. William Contreras, um, again, it's it's an awesome moment, but he didn't matter much in 2022. He matters more in 2023. David Stearns, I, I think I put David Stearns ahead of, of Josh Hader because David Stearns could have easily not pulled this deal. And now David Stearns departs David Stearns' legacy is tied to this Josh Hader trade. It just is. You can't ignore it, right? You can't run from it. And now if Robert Gasser is a Cy Young Award winner, if William Contreras becomes a you know all-star catcher, a perennial player for the Brewers, now also I think Matt Arnold would have more of that credit than, than Stearns uh, for William Contreras. I, I just look at it all and say like, okay, um, there's there's a lot here where I I have to I have to look at Stearns and say it was his decision to make the Josh Hader trade. It wasn't Josh Hader's choice. And if Stearns doesn't pull that trigger, or if he pulls it earlier, the Brewer season's entirely different. The Brewer season might 
might have changed. And if they did this in March, and yes, I think there would have been outrage in March. I, I don't think anyone would have been happy if this deal happened before the year. But I still think they would have had time to work it out. And Stearns' robot mentality just does not work in 2022. And you can't be a complete robot and not sort of work with your team on the direction of the program. Matt Arnold, I think, is kind of like Contreras. We'll see next year. Mark Ananasio versus David Stearns. So that's a that's a very hard discussion, right? Because I think a part of me wants to put Ananasio ahead of Stearns, and here's why. This is the first time since Herb Cole that people really dislike an owner, right? This is the first time that an owner has been disliked in the state of Wisconsin since Cole. Now, Mark Murphy had a lot of criticism, right? There were a lot of people that still don't really like Mark Murphy. But Mark Murphy, credit to him, realized that no one wants to see Mark Murphy. And he can't act like Jerry Jones. He can't act like Arthur Blank. He can't act like any of the other big swinging dick owners because he's not a fucking owner. And he kind of faded away. Like we kind of did not see, I don't, we haven't really seen a lot of Mark Murphy, right? I think that's on purpose. I think the board told him that, right? Mark Anasio, you're still going to see because Mark Anasio is a face of the Brewers and he matters, right? But I, I think that I, st I still might go Stearns ahead of him because of the hater trade. But I, I think Anasio is right fucking there. Like, I, I really do. It's hard to ignore Anasio in the sense that the Brewer fans just, they changed they changed their mentality about this team. And so many people are out on the Brewers and they blame Mark for this. And I think it's really unfair, uh, but I think it's gonna take a lot to get people back in the stadium. And I think it's a huge topic conversation for next year. Something we'll cover you know, in February and March and leading into the, the season. But it, it falls on Mark. And part of it is Mark didn't keep a clean house with David Stearns. They didn't work together to figure out, hey, I wanna trade Josh Hader. You know, what is that? Again, we haven't had that big start. We don't know, you know, how much Ananasio was involved in that decision to get rid of Josh Hader. All right, let's run through college. This has been a long segment. I expect it to be long. That's okay. We still have other things to talk about. Uh, so for college, I started with Johnny Davis. I thought Johnny Davis, you know, had probably the best college year out of anybody in the state of Wisconsin. You know, ends up being the number 11 pick in the NBA draft, which looks pretty suspect given that he has not succeeded so far in the league. But you still have to give Johnny Davis his flowers, his credit on what he did this season. Uh, you also had, I would put him against Justin Lewis, but again, it's kind of night or day. Like Justin Lewis had a really good year, was a solid Big East contributor, took Marquette to the NCAA tournament. And I know Davis was a second round exit, but you had a three seed. That to me matters more. Uh, this, the same really goes, and then you go Braylon Allen. So I think Braylon Allen matters more than Johnny Davis because Braylon Allen decided to stay at Wisconsin. Braylon Allen had probably heard it from a lot of people. I think I would love a story on who did you all hear? I don't think Braylon Allen would snitch out, but it'd be very curious to look at Braylon Allen's phone and just see, A, probably a lot of the nudes he gets from all the different Wisconsin women he has. Um, but let's hear it up there. That's probably sort of creepy. But anyways, uh, also the the text messages from probably Michigan, probably Alabama, probably uh, fucking Florida, uh, USC maybe, right? Like Texas, who knows? I'm sure there are so many people that reached out to Braylon Allen and and basically were like, hey, 
come play here, and he didn't go. And you have to appreciate that from Braylon Allen. Now, the jury's not out, right? Sam Hartman, who seemed like, oh, wait, quarterback, whatever, uh, you know, played the bowl game, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's transferring to Notre Dame. So I'm not ready to completely say that this, and, and that would change this whole fucking podcast. Honestly, this whole segment would change if Braylon Allen would leave, but I would put Braylon Allen ahead of Johnny Davis. Um, just like, we'll leave it there. Daryl Marcel over Braylon Allen. Nope. Uh, again, nice Marquette team, but Daryl Marcel, a, a footnote for sure. Braylon Allen over Shaka Smart. Ah, I, I Kind of similar in a few of the other examples. I think Shaka is more of a 2023 guy than this year. What he's done this year has been extremely impressive. It's hard to ignore Shaka Smart as potential coach of the year, um, and not only in the Big East, but also nationally. Uh, it's you know he has a team of freshmen and sophomores and he has a top ten offense. Um, that's it's hard to ignore that. And I really do hope that like this is more future thinking. But Marquette's doing enough to keep these guys happy. And again, the same conversation we just had with Brandon Allen that you know the North Carolinas, the Kansas, the Dukes aren't knocking down a guy like Osoigidara's door, a Cam Jones door, things like that. Like they are doing their best to keep these guys happy because I think that's really important going forward. Uh, Braylon Allen over Paul Christ. If it's not for Paul Christ, we don't get Luke Fickle, who's going to be brought up here in a second. Um, I, I still think Braylon Allen, it, it's more, he, he mattered more than Paul Christ. Uh, Paul Christ mattered in the sense that he falls apart and it, it breeds a new, Chris McIntosh could certainly be in this conversation as well. And maybe you have to put Chris McIntosh over, over, you know, because kind of the similar to the Stearns conversation, if it's, if it's not for McIntosh, A, he doesn't get rid of Paul Crest, B, he doesn't hire Luke Fickle, and he is it's sort of the decision that McIntosh made and sort of made his stamp on the Wisconsin Athletics program, and a lot of people thought that he was just going to be a puppet for Barry Alvarez, and he proved otherwise. So I have to go Chris McIntosh over Braylon Allen. I would probably go McIntosh over Graham Mertz or Nick Herbig. I think also had big years, but... Or Herbig had a big year. Mertz, you know, it was just, he had just this tattered sort of career at Wisconsin. It's just, it will not be remembered that I think the way people wanted to do. Would you go Fickle over Chris McIntosh? I still think I'd go Fickle. I think just what he's done so far has been such a, it's already, you're already seeing it. The fact that he wanted to coach the bowl game, I, I just think matters so much more. Like you don't see that. Like Jamie Chadwell wasn't coaching Liberty's bowl game, right? Um, uh, Hugh Free, oh, Auburn didn't play. I'm trying to think of other examples of coaches taking over. No one else has done this but Luke Fickle. So I just, and he's recruited like a madman so far. So I, I will go Luke Fickle. So if we have the bracket, the overall bracket, and we said, so I had to power rank it. I would put it as Chris Middleton, one, Christian Watson, two, David Stearns, three, Luke Fickle, four. So we have Chris Middleton over, over Luke Fickle. I still go Chris Middleton. I still think at the end of the day, Chris Middleton mattered the most because of the championship. I think Luke Fickle, there is more on 2023. I think if we do this segment again next year, I think Luke Fickle could win. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Chris Middleton. Christian Watson over David Stearns. That's a tough one. I think I'm going to go David Stearns because I think if it's not for Stearns, the whole dynamic of Brewer fandom isn't changed. And Stearns over, is it Stearns over 
Chris Middleton or is it Middleton over Stearns? I think I'm still going to go Stearns. I, I really... I, the Chris Middleton what if gets washed away if the Bucks win a championship this year, okay? I think that it's an important story, but I I look at it and I, and I, I just think that Chris Middleton is important, is there, but it, we just don't know yet. David Stearns, the fan base completely changed. And again, I don't think there's any real way to come back for that. The only way it comes back is if the Brewers you know, have another NLCS run and it happens sooner rather than later, um, which is completely unrealistic. And I think the the people who are going to be there understand, but I think so many do not get it. And that's why I put David Stearns ahead of Chris Middleton. Let's move on to what was happening in Wisconsin sports yesterday. Uh, we had the Wisconsin Badgers and Marquette Golden Eagles both in action. Badger football, that is, not Badger basketball. Uh, they, are, I think, are not in action until Thursday against Western Michigan. Uh, Badgers had a great win against Oklahoma State. A couple of thoughts here on this game. A really good example of the old time, the old timey Badger football, right? Get out to an early lead and sit on it going forward. Uh, I, I think that the Badgers did a great job of capitalizing on opportunities. Uh, they capitalized on a turnover. Uh, they capitalized on the fact that Oklahoma State really has trouble stopping, you know, tackling. Uh, I think that Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy both had major moments in this game. And the fact the Badgers were able to sort of have this cushion really paid off at the end because you saw it with Oklahoma State where they started to leak oil. I thought the defense was really solid for three quarters. I felt like it was a touching tribute to Jim Leonard, right? Uh, the last game for Leonard, and I felt like the defense played a major role. They had two interceptions. Uh, they they put the Badgers in a position to win. Yes, they started to leak oil at the end, which is something we kind of saw this season, uh, but they were able to make it happen and finish the deal with a yet another turnover, and the Badgers won this football game. Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy have a chance to be the best one-two punch from a running back perspective in the Big Ten next season. Uh, Braylon Allen continues to really succeed. Uh, I think there's, I don't know if we're ready to say, yeah, this guy can win a Heisman next year. Felt like we thought about that last year. It's hard for running backs, I think, at this point to win Heismans. But I, I think the combination of the two is just a smash and dash. And it's a really good way to play football. And I think Phil Longo, while an air raid guy, he still wants to have a power running system. I think the combination of Allen and Malusi is going to pay off dividends for what Longo wants to do, whether it's Nick Evers, whether it's Miles Burkett, whether it's somebody else at that quarterback position, I think the Badgers are set up to win with those two guys at running back. And I will caveat, if Allen decides to transfer, if Allen decides, you know, kind of pulls a Sam Hartman, I still think Malusi, you know, gives you a chance to win a football, win football games. And I still think, you know, the worry with him is just his injuries, right? Um, but I think you could also convince a lot of running backs who are in the portal right now who are successful that they should be a badger. And I won't be surprised if they get somebody to replace sort of the Isaac Grendo part of this. I would be awesome if Grendo decided to come back too. I think Grendo is a really solid player. and But I, I think for him, he saw what Nikita Watson, you know, was the third guy for Wisconsin last year. Watson then goes to Washington State and has an incredible year. And I think Grendo saw that and Grendo's like, why can't I do that? Which I don't blame him for. Chase Wolf uh, did his job and goes out a winner. You gotta love that. I mean, this is a story that Chase Wolf will always be able to tell his grandkids, be able to tell his kids that I was able to play in one game. You know, we I played in a bunch of games, but I got to start in my final, final game. I was able to go out a winner 
you know, that, that has to be special. He threw a touchdown, too, uh, to Hayden Ritchie, uh, you know, in the first half. So I, I, you have to like that. That's the stuff that kind of makes you romantic about sports and what sports can bring. And now the, the fun really starts with Wisconsin. So Fickle has already done a really good job in terms of recruiting his guys, getting his guys in there. But I think now it's, it, it, it is sort of where, where it goes here for Wisconsin and what they could be and their continued you know, recruiting. And I, I do think they have talent. Uh, Joe Brunner uh, was in at guard and, and really made a difference. And now you didn't see him for the entire game, but you saw him for a little bit. And you saw sort of the difference that you know a big-time offensive lineman will make. And they'll be just very curious to see how different Wisconsin looks you know, in game one. I think you could argue that the game against Buffalo next year, and Buffalo's not a bad team. They won a bowl game actually yesterday as well. You could argue that that Buffalo game is as as important for Wisconsin football fans as, as at anyone, right? September 2nd, I think everybody is looking ahead to that game and just seeing what the Badgers look like and knowing that it's going to be a work in progress for a, a little time. Also hilarious that they also played Georgia Southern, who played Buffalo last night, yesterday in the, in the Kabila Bowl. The Badgers play both of them next season at Camp Randall. Uh, so it should be a really interesting, you know, next couple of months. I hope that Braylon Allen, you know, feels good about what the future of this team and it, it doesn't change. And if he does, next man up. And I, I think everybody feels as good about Wisconsin as maybe they ever have. Uh, honestly, uh, maybe not ever. That's way too strong. Uh, let's work that back. It's, it's probably the best they felt about Badger football in four or five years, I would say. And I know the Badgers had some success with Paul Christ. I'm not trying to denigrate what Paul Christ did, but I think for the, there's just a renewed energy. And I think there's also some new fans. I think there are some new casuals that are in there. I think the diehards are always there, but I think the casuals actually have some excitement about Badger football next season. Wrapping up today's show with Marquette basketball uh, was a really impressive night for Marquette as well. Um, you know, Marquette now a top 10 offense in Kempom after their win against Seton Hall. 83 to 69. Uh, it was Marquette's probably best win against Seton Hall in the last few. I'd have to look at the head to heads, but usually the Marquette Seton Hall matchup, it's always close. Seton Hall is in sort of a transition year uh, with Shaheen Holloway. Their defense is awesome, but they fall apart against good offenses. Um, that has been a, a theme for them this season. Uh, that they, they really can't handle a good offense. They really can't handle a good defense. So it seems like Seton Hall is kind of a good, bad team. They'll beat bad teams, but they will not beat good teams, um, which is something to pay attention to, and especially if you're handicapping. Uh, that's definitely something to uh, to keep in mind, right? Uh, but Marquette, yeah, top 10 offense now in Kempom. It's incredible. Uh, that, to me, is just something I don't think any of us saw coming. Uh, you know, I talked about a little earlier about the job that <clears throat> Shaka Smart has been able to do. Uh, and he deserves a ton of credit for getting these guys to where they look like a, a, a contender for a long time. And so look at the, the group that Marquette is with. Arizona, Gonzaga, Ohio State, UCLA, Purdue, UConn, Missouri, Xavier, Iowa. Marquette's eighth. Marquette's behind. And it's just, it's, and as Fanta said, it's, it's an interesting list, right? 
because there are some top tier teams, some teams that I think at the end of the year, you expect a one seed, whether it's Arizona, I think UCLA could be in that conversation. I think Purdue, UConn for sure. And then teams that are maybe playing above their skis a little bit, whether it's Marquette, I think Missouri, you could put in that conversation. Uh, Xavier, I, the, the turnaround, the quick turnaround for Sean Miller, it's like Sean Miller kind of never left college basketball. Iowa's interesting because they lose to Eastern Illinois, but their offense still looks really good. And the question is, is like, how much will that Eastern Illinois come back to bite Iowa? Um, is Ohio State that good? I mean, Ohio State, you know, they, I think they, they lost, they lost to North Carolina, right? They lost to North Carolina and Duke. They also have some big, you know, non-conference wins as well. So where will that end out? And if you look at just offensive perspective, the Big East now has three teams in the top 10. The Big 10 has two. Uh, the Pac-12 also has two. Or uh, yeah, the Big Ten has three as well. So are the Big Ten, Big East, you know, I know Rothstein has been pumping out the Big 12 and saying the Big 12 is the best conference in the in college basketball, but I don't know. It might, it might belong to one of those other teams. It's definitely a discussion for another time. Other thoughts on the game. Oso Gidara, you know, major day, continues to dominate uh, 16 and 10. Uh, looks like a top-tier Big East player. Uh, I cannot say enough about my impress- being how impressed I am with him. I had a ton of stock in the Desert Bear to start the year, and the stock only continues to grow and meticulate. Uh, he is an excellent player. Uh, I still think we have to have a conversation about who is the guy in late-game situations for Marquette. I don't think we know that, especially on the road. And we'll talk about the Villanova game probably on Friday when we preview the weekend. But I, I really am curious to see, you know, if that actually falls to Oso. And if actually Oso is the guy, not Cam Jones. And, and he sort of becomes the late game guy. But the question is, is how do you get a post player into those situations? You know, I, I think that sometimes has been the problem. It's, it's a, I'm not saying they're the same player. But it's, it's kind of like Giannis, where like sometimes for like early stage Giannis, they had trouble, you know, getting him the ball early on in, or late in games. And... Giannis has gotten much better at that, but I think you need to work with Oso on how do you get the big guy the ball in those late-game situations when you need a bucket. Uh, also deserves credit defensively. Marquette did a great job on Kadari Richardson. He was 4 for 12 from the field, only nine points. Uh, you know, I, I think could have made it very hard on, you know, seeing all his best player to get going. Uh, Marquette very much frustrated him. Stevie Mitchell, you know, deserves a ton of credit for that. Um, and I think Marquette's going to have another test with Cam Whitmore on Saturday. Uh, Villanova's very good guard, who is a top 10 NBA projected pick, uh, basically has turned around the Villanova season for Kyle Neptune in his first year. Uh, Marquette will have another task. And I, I, you have to feel better about that matchup after what they did to Kadari Richard, Richmond. You want to say Katari Richardson, but it's Katari Richmond. Uh, 28 points off the Marquette bench. Continues to be a theme for this team this season. They just continue to get great bench production. It's usually not always one guy. Um, sometimes it's just David Joplin. This time it was everybody. It was a little bit of Joplin. It was a little bit of Sean Jones. It was a little bit of Chase Ross. A smattering of Ben Gold. A dash of Ben Gold there as well. Uh, so really good shit from the Marquette bench. And... That continues to be a reason why this team succeeds is because it's not relying on one player. It's a team effort. And I think that's exactly what Shaka Smart wants. Uh, I think just the fact it was never really a doubt just says a lot about this Marquette team. All right. They got out. They at one point were up by 19 and tightened up because there was some bullshit with the ref, which I want to talk about as sort of the final thought of this game. But 
you know, Marquette could have easily come into this one a little hungover, right? Uh, Christmas break, however, you know, you, I don't know if they went back to see their families. I have no idea, you know, kind of on that intel of it, or if they were all here together as a team. But sometimes you've seen, you know, struggles. I remember there have been some Ojo examples, there's some Buzz examples, where Marquette kind of did not look good after a long stretch off. Uh, they looked great in this one. And they also had more fouls than Seton Hall, despite shooting more two-point attempts. Uh, as Rob Doster would say, I guess it's just another road game in the Big East. Oh, wait, Marquette was at home. I don't know. I have no idea what Marquette has to do to get a better whistle. I think Chaka is adamant about it. I'll be curious to see how they how they change that going forward. But it's fucking bullshit. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. I hate to end it on a sour note because this was a good podcast. Uh, so hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk. Uh, maybe 2023 predictions. Uh, actually, no. We're going to do 2023 predictions on Friday's show. We're going to talk Packer Viking storylines. Get into that. We'll recap uh, the Bucks and Bulls tonight. We'll also talk about uh, my J.J. Watt story. Because J.J. Watt retired. I have a J.J. Watt story. A lot of you have probably heard it. But some of you might not. Some of you are new. I do have a story about playing J.J. Watt. I was going to tell it today on today's pod. Didn't get a chance to uh, because our first segment ran long. So we'll tell the J.J. story on Thursday show. All right. Rate, review, subscribe, do all those. And we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Bye. Peace. I was like, bye and peace. And I was a peace. But see you guys later. Take care. Bye.